Hey, welcome along once again to another edition of The 116. My name is Greg Fish. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. The 116 is a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. It's a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, but really it's for everyone. If you're in ministry life or interested in the stuff we're talking about, we got something for you. And don't forget to like us, share us on social media. We're available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe or follow if you would, please, especially like on YouTube, and you can you can keep up with us, and it helps us get the word out, and it's free. And finally, one other note, go to PeoriaOne.com for more information about us and to leave us a message. That's PeoriaOne.com. Well, I'm not sure about this. I haven't uh, I haven't checked the statistics yet, but I think my most frequent frequent guest is uh, the gentleman who was with me, or the guy who's with me, whichever way you want to look at this today. And uh, let's welcome in Mr. Dan Phillips. Dan, how many times have you been on the, the podcast here now? This you know? is my very first time. I'm very excited to be here. So uh, no, the dementia I've... issues are also <laughs> a thing we need to talk about. I have about been here that. several times. So, yeah, I appreciate you doing this and to covering a, a wide range of topics, um, all important to just about everybody in, in some walk of their uh, daily existence. Uh, what what comes up in these podcasts can make a difference. And we also have great conversations during and beforehand too. Like for example, today we were just discussing what was Gilbert Pyle's girlfriend's name <laughs> on the, these really deep topic. If you know, by the way, we're struck stuck. I guess we could Google it, but uh, yeah, well, that's too easy. Yeah. That's too easy. Sergeant Carter's girlfriend was miss bunny. Right. So anyway, okay. Yes. Uh, Dan Phillips is the director of community ministries at first United Methodist church. And Dan, we've got a, an interesting topic uh, to talk about today. And that is the fact that sometimes we're not the best at knowing how to help others. And in fact, the things we do to help others isn't always helpful. And it's something we've been struggling with here in the midst of our ministry work because First United Methodist Church in Peoria is located in the downtown area. And we have a lot of great guests, people we love dearly, but they sometimes come to us with different emotional as well as uh, spiritual and economic needs, but also sometimes their intentions may or may not be exactly what we wish they would be. Uh, but it, this happens in all churches. Even the most rural churches I've been a pastor at, uh, back in my days as a pastor, we struggled with that question because we would have people regularly come through who needed help, and we weren't always sure how to help them or if helping them was wise. So let's start there and, and say, Dan, is that true that it's not always is it ever a good idea to help somebody who comes to us with a request for money, a ride, or or food? Well, things have changed um, in in that world um, a lot in the last twenty years, but but it has been around, as you said, forever. And as long as there are people on this earth, there are going to be needs unmet um, by people that uh, find themselves in a variety of different life conditions, life situations that are sometimes beyond their control, sometimes as the result of actions taken by them. But at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, these are people that um, have needs. And the church is often seen as a place uh, that will take care of people, take care of needs. And so a lot of times, um, First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, but churches everywhere find themselves faced with um, people that that are at their doors, um, sometimes during church, sometimes during the week, that will say, I need help with 
food. I need help with rent. I am stranded in Peoria. Um, I need to get home. I need my uh, medicine and I can't afford it. Um, there's just a variety of different needs. And, um, you know, we, you don't want to really turn people away, but you also want to do whatever you can to help them and to understand uh, their needs. Um, as you mentioned, sometimes um, the needs might be different than as presented. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes we'll have people come to us on a on a uh, any given day and say that they are hungry or say that they're, as I mentioned, stranded in Peoria. And the response to that um, really kind of depends upon uh, a lot of things. Um, uh, oftentimes, and, and, you know, we have done this, I have done this for eight or nine years before me. There was people that had done it for, you know, decades. And, and there was people all throughout our community uh, that work at a lot of different agencies, a lot of different churches that face this every day. And we all do want to help. We want to make sure that the people that, that are out there hurting, um, get get what they need. Now, sometimes um, as you drive through the community, you'll see, and it's really ramped up in the last couple of years, uh, you'll see people at virtually every corner, mm-hmm. um, at every intersection, at every shopping center, uh, coming off the bridges. That seems more rampant than oh, I have never seen so many people it, it out is, in intersections. It, it is amazing. And, uh, you know, legally, uh, there's a, not a lot that the, the uh, police can do about it as long as they're not creating any kind of a traffic hazard, safety hazard. Um, but but understanding that situation, uh, as well as the ones where uh, somebody meets you in a parking lot, sees you on the street, um, you know, you really, you really need to be careful, number one. Um, as you mentioned, somebody comes and they're asking for money or they're asking for food or they're asking for money for food. You have to ask yourself a couple questions. Um, uh, and, and one kind of a rule of thumb that we have here is that we do not give money. Um, that's important because um, oftentimes people that are requesting um, assistance, requesting money, they may say it's for food or medicine or diapers or, or gas, gas um, but really it may be going to alcohol or drugs or um, other reasons that, that aren't really what they came to you for. Um, so we always hesitate or we always recommend that you don't uh, deal in cash. Um, worst case scenario, it might be somebody that is looking to possibly take advantage of the situation. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, uh, they wait to see um, if somebody opens their purse and can see that there's money in there, see that there's valuables in there, opens the wallet, and possibly uh, they rob you. Right. Um, uh, but it, it might be something where you're dealing with a, a young single mom that yeah. is is truly needing some help. And Dan, I think we we all struggle with this balance because mm-hmm. on the one hand, we don't want to become so skeptical, but we think those people are all yeah. you know they're yeah. they're. But yet at the same time, there's that impulse within us. Also, I think I think most people have that impulse to do good yeah. to help out somebody who legitimately yeah, has absolutely. a need. But but it's just so hard to know at times is this a real thing or not. So, you know, is it a better policy to find a – I have an idea here, too, I wanted to ask you about. I wrote the word editing down because so so often what I do in communications, editing is important. You have to cut things down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe in, in, in church work, isn't it important also to edit 
the way we do benevolence so that we can do a better job, maybe not help as many needs, but do a better job of meeting certain needs. Is that a, is that a valid idea? Yes, I, I do think it's a valid idea. And we, we are very blessed in our community to have um, uh, just a, a great um, structure of uh, groups, agencies, churches that have joined together to uh, really meet those needs in an organized fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we um, are part of a program, as many are, uh, called 211. And 211 is a um, an agency that was really formed, and it's it's throughout the country. It's not in every community, but it's like your um, 911, your 411. You call 411 for information. You call 911 for emergency services. 211, you call for assistance. And that's a four-county agency that uh, is manned. The the phone number, 211, is manned 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they are connected to all of the agencies on a daily basis um, that offer assistance in a wide variety of of conditions and situations. So um, we will recommend to someone that comes to us uh, if they have a need that we can't meet, uh, we always recommend to call 211 because in the case of, for instance, utility assistance, that is something that uh, First United Methodist Church has never been able to get into because it's such a huge need. Right. And right. it's a little bit of a complicated issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are agencies that do that and do that well. 211 is connected to those agencies. They know when that funding is available, how to apply for it, when to apply for it. So depending on what the need is, it's great to have one source uh, that we can recommend people call. And they can call that and they can get an answer or they can go online to 211.org and they can they can be connected to someone, a live person, that will help them with their needs. One of the approaches that I've seen so often in my life as a pastor is the approach when somebody is asking for help with resources that I'm at the point now where something awful is about to happen. If you don't help me today, if you don't do this now, then I'm going to suffer a terrible consequences. How often, and again, I don't want to paint, because there are people in horrible situations, uh, is this one of those situations where we really don't need to feel as uncomfortable as maybe we would about not helping right there in the moment? Um, yes. <clears throat> you know, if, if it is truly an emergency, uh, then they need an emergency response uh, that isn't necessarily going to come from you um, or, the, or the person that's being asked. So the the two one one helps edit or sort out what gotcha. that need is. Gotcha. It it I'm not saying it slows down the process because they are they are connected, like I said, to every agency in town, to the police, to the fire, uh, to the uh, emergency response system, uh, as well as to housing resources, um, as well as all of the other resources that we mentioned, from utility assistance to mental and physical help, uh, uh, health conditions to education. To to uh, just everything. So we, we start by directing them there if it isn't something uh, we can help with. Now, a lot of times when you come up to the street corner or someone uh, approaches you and you mention 211, they'll say, well, I've tried that. Um, and and um, you, you really need, without having to go much deeper, because they can put you on the spot, um, you really just need to, to understand that uh, you need to let the professionals deal with that mm-hmm. uh, in the manner that they can. Again, 24-7 help 
um, should be able to provide immediate response for them. For instance, we had a a young lady that came to the church today. Uh, We help out uh, twice a month with people needing to get their birth certificates um, or their state IDs. Now, when you are living on the street or you're living in in, um, housing that isn't regular, um, a lot of times paperwork gets lost. Um, If you're moving around, somehow you lose your ID, then you don't have the ability to get an apartment or get a job or get the kids in school. So the young lady came today and she's living in her car, um, she and and another person, and and she didn't realize that um, all of the services that were available. Um, So we directed her to, um, in this case, the Dream Center, because we have a good relationship there. Um, We were able to, and and if you called 211, they would do a a housing assessment, uh, which which she went to and did. um, and they they deal with you on a uh, priority basis. They edit the situation to know, okay, are you looking for better housing? Do you not have housing? Are you staying with a friend? Are children involved? Is there a chemical dependency? Is there a mental health situation? They know the right questions to ask to get somebody immediate help. Now, there's lots of housing um, choices. There's emergency housing. There's supportive housing, temporary housing. Um, but our community, again, is well-equipped with a lot of resources to be able to get people help um, immediately. And, I, you know, I'm starting to feel the pressure of, of just giving this disclaimer once again, and that's not to say that any, anybody out there who asks for help is just taking advantage of you or just trying to buy drugs. Absolutely right. However, we need to think about that because sometimes our hearts can be too soft and we can be taken advantage of. So it's it's probably more important to figure out how can we best help people in need? How can we best funnel our resources and our time? And uh, you over the years have discovered some great ways of doing that, that really help people. And what, uh, what have I done? Uh, oh, I'm supposed to answer that? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but well, just, just to say that, and especially through the ministry of the church, I have really begun to hone and refine the way the church has because sometimes you'll hear people say, if we don't meet the need the way they want us to, say, well, churches are supposed to do exactly what I asked them to do because you're a church and you're supposed to do that. The fact is, we are supposed to help those in need, but we also have to do it wisely because we have a responsibility to those who have real need to not devoid ourselves of all of our resources helping somebody who maybe isn't on the up and up. So we have to be careful. How do. do we do that? How do we give, then, Dan? How do we marshal our resources in a way that is truly helpful and 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 not depleting our resources foolishly. Well, and that is, a, and I'm glad you mentioned the quote disclaimer um, again, and I, I back that up. Um, a lot of people have real needs and, right. and they're at the point in their life where um, if they're having to walk into some place and, and ask for help, that's a humbling experience. Sure. And sure. Um, those that really need it, we want, as you said, we want to have the resources to help out. Mm-hmm. Uh, not any, any agency, not any church can do it all, but collectively uh, we, can, we can help. Now, I think the biggest thing you can do is to listen. Um, and not just listening with your ears. Uh, so many times people are in a situation in their life where they feel like they're invisible. They feel like um, nobody sees where they are in their life, that they're, they're, they're as down far, or far down in their um, life. The luck, everything has gone wrong. 
and nobody will listen to them. So, you know, in and again, uh, the, the caveat is make sure you're in a safe situation. Um, you're not going to be somewhere where you could get taken advantage of. But if you're able to uh, listen to them, to really understand what their needs are, and listening with your eyes, listening with your heart, listening with your brain to to understand, is this legitimate? Uh, and really kind of listen to them to find out what the needs are. And then direct your response based on that. If it's just somebody saying, I need money, um, I need I need money because, you know, the kids, kids are home alone, whatever the case is, um, I would probably take an approach that uh, what do you need the money for? Uh, what is your need? I mean, the kids don't need money. Uh, the kids need maybe diapers, maybe maybe food. Um, sometimes it will have people come that have been the victim of domestic abuse um, or some kind of a violent situation. Different approach for that. Uh, but again, uh, listening to understand where they're at in their life. Um, and you don't want to go at it. I was at a, a, a seminar put on by the University of Illinois uh, Extension Service for pantries in Illinois and soup kitchens in Illinois. And one of the issues, one of the breakout sessions dealt with dealing with traumatized guests, um, realizing that people that come are often the victims of some kind of a trauma in their life. Mm-hmm. Again, it, it, it might be um, chemical drug dependency. It might be loss of a job. It might be loss of a spouse. It might be a domestic violence. But you you want to you want to understand that um, they're not just walking up, you know, thinking, okay, I lost my job yesterday. I should go look for some food. They've had a major event happen to them. So you don't want to think, what is wrong with this person? Um, because. You know, it's it's not a fault of theirs necessarily. Sure. Uh, the better approach would be, what happened? What happened here that brought you to this point? How how can we help in that situation? Um, we are all brothers and sisters and children of Christ, because because I happen to be um, where I'm at in my life, uh, and I feel fortunate that I have a job. Um, I'm going to pass somebody on the street that doesn't have that opportunity, that didn't have um, the upbringing that I had, that that still is a human with needs that wants to sleep somewhere warm, wants to wake up and know that they have a meal, wants to have someone listen to them. Um, so I think you have to understand that um, the people that, that are out there that are asking for things, number one, they are people. Mm-hmm. With feelings, sure, sure. Uh, with hearts that hurt, that hearts that laugh, hopefully, mm-hmm. and can find joy in the in the day. Um, so it's it's not a real easy answer, sure. Uh, but I think you have to go at it from the point of view that that um, we are all on this earth together, and together is how we can get better. Um, and and I do want to talk a little bit. You mentioned about the the people that we see on the street corners. Um, oftentimes at intersections, it it almost seems a little too organized. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just I just came back from a a run a food run for our loaves and fish ministry, and I came up to an intersection where there was a a person stationed on each corner, and it seemed very organized. And what we have found and what the police have told us is that uh, there is human trafficking here in Peoria that is not sexual trafficking, but it's human trafficking in that people are controlling uh, people that are vulnerable by offering them a, quote, opportunity to 
earn money and have a place to stay and maybe get the drugs they need. Um, but you have to go out and work at that street corner for, you know, a day. So this is something new. I didn't, I mean, yeah, I've, everybody's yeah. heard about the sexual trafficking, but yeah. I had no idea this was going on. It, it is a way of controlling um, people's activities. Um, and again, these are people that take advantage of those that are in a vulnerable position. And what they'll do is say you collect 50 bucks, you bring it back at the end of the day, you're going back to your room. Um, the person may give you 10 bucks of that 50 bucks or give you drugs or alcohol or whatever it is that is a need that you can't get. Um, and they control you that way. Uh, they provide, you know, some things to you, but it is a matter of, it is a matter of control. Now, again, this isn't everything. This isn't everyone, mm-hmm. uh, but it is something that um, our local uh, law enforcement and other social agencies try to try to get a handle on work with, but it's so difficult to, uh, to prove things like that. So Dan, would you, would you give the advice to our, our viewers and listeners then that they should never give to somebody uh, out on a corner like that or, what? How do we know? How do we discern this? That's a, that's a very difficult uh, question to answer because, you know, every situation is different. I mean, I, I would say, you know, yeah, don't give them money. Give the money to Peoria Rescue Mission. Mm-hmm. Give it to Dream okay. Center. Give it to Phoenix Community Development. But um, then then there might be the people out there for St. Jude's or out there from the fire department or out there for um, helping Ukraine or whatever the, the case might be, a legitimate cause. Um, so again, um, you just have to kind of judge every situation independently, but if you think it looks wrong, uh, mention it to, uh, the police on, don't call 911, call the non-emergency number and just say, I noticed, uh, things that looked a little different. Mm -hmm. Um, and by the way, that phone number is area code 309-673-4521. And that's the Peoria Police non-emergency number, um, and it's they they want to help out. The police have have such a a good relationship with people on the on the street. Um, we have our our weekly feeding ministry called Loaves and Fish, and we've been doing that for a little over twenty seven years. And we provide a meal um, to folks that are hungry and provide groceries uh, for them to help supplement what they have. We have a police officer every week that, that we hire to be here. And watching the police work with us, with our guests, with our neighbors, um, it really uh, makes me feel good about the role of police in our community because they want to help. They want to answer questions. They want to be that bridge between what's happening out there and and what can be done to make things better. Um, so the police do want to help. Um, mm-hmm. They don't want there to be nuisances that cause traffic accidents or, or um, you know, worse yet, some kind of a, a robbery situation. Um, and, you know, I, I see I see some of the people on the corners I know from coming to Lovis and Fish, and they are, some of them are just trying to try, trying to make a few bucks to get by. But um it it sometimes is better to give to organized groups that provide those services, like the Peoria Rescue Mission, like like um, the Phoenix Development, that that provide housing support, that provide uh, meal support, that provide spiritual support, um, so that they can provide the help that's really needed. Now, I'll, I'll say probably ten years ago, it might have been fifteen. 
my wife and I came out of a function at the church. It was uh, late spring, snow was flying, and we went to our car, and out of the blue, and people have had this happen in shopping centers and everywhere, up popped a young lady who um, told us a story that she needed uh, food, and she needed to, you know, she seemed like a very nice young lady, and she had kids, and and uh, wondered if we could, we could, you know, get her food. So I thought, well, I, and I wasn't working here. I, I was, you know, like most people, I, I was moved by her story and I thought, wow. And I, I thought, well, I, I don't want to hand her money cause that doesn't seem right. I said, um, can I get you some food? Could I, you know, get you some McDonald's? Um, um, she said, yeah, could, could you give me a ride up to McDonald's on main street? Um, and I thought, well, okay, my wife's with me. Yeah, we'll take her up there. Nice person. You know, she said she lived up there. And on the way up, she she was sharing a little bit about her story. And as we dropped her off and, and got her uh, got her some sandwiches, she said, you know, thank you. That was very nice. But just in the future, I wouldn't let anybody get in your car like you did let me get in your car. Because wow. she said, that's not really safe. And I, I, wow. I was like, oh, Oh, okay. Wow. Um, I never thought about that. I was not operating with a, a brain as much as with a heart. Heart, yeah. And we just have to be careful. Well, and I know that we're talking to a lot of folks who are involved in ministry works that are trying to figure out how to do things well. One of the, the, the difficulties that I've noticed churches can get into, and this can cause a problem in communities, is that they feel because of our commission to help the needy that we have to do a little bit of everything. And they kind of over, and, and as a result, they maybe don't help the agencies that are really good at helping in certain areas. Maybe it's a clothing ministry. Maybe it's a food uh, can ministry or yeah. anything like that. Um, is that something we're thinking about that, that it's, that it might actually be better to partner with other churches or other agencies rather than trying to do too much yourself as a, as an individual church? Absolutely. And, and that's where, the two one one program uh, can be very beneficial because they do know uh, if somebody comes to them and says, "I need clothing," mm-hmm. they they're going to know where the clothing um, lockers are, where those uh, stores are that will. And when I say stores, um, I mean like uh, for instance, Southside Benevolent Center down at Marquette and Garden. They're going to be doing a little improvement area, but the Hope Store at the Dream Center, uh, they know who has what. They know what pantries are open on what days and what hours. Um, so yeah, working with existing agencies, churches, providers of care um, can really have the most benefit uh, because there's no need to reinvent the wheel. And again, when you try to do everything for everybody, um, you end up diluting the ability to, to really make a difference in those that you can help. One of the things I've tried to avoid doing as well is not just impulse buying, but impulse giving. Because so many stores will hit you up, do you mind giving a dollar for this? And it sounds, you you feel embarrassed to say no, and I think that's why they do so well. But the fact is, you don't know no. what percentage of that money is actually going to meet the need and how much is administrative, you know, those sorts of things. And, and it can be so frustrating for us. How how do we think this through, Dan? How How is it? You know, what are the, if we wanted to say, I want want to be smart about channeling my resources, both time and energy, where should we begin looking to do that? Well, are you talking, or when you say time and resources, are you talking about giving of time? Are you talking about giving of resources? Um, Whether we want to 
and, and I guess volunteering is, is probably a more specific area. I mean, as far as maybe our money giving, which is what I try to do, I try to, to give smart so that I can feel like I'm doing as much good as possible. Well, are the local agencies, I mean, should people look into those local agencies that are meeting needs such as uh, feeding, sheltering? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, for instance, uh, Midwest Food Bank is a is a an amazing group. Um, locally, we have a Peoria uh, location of uh, Midwest Food Bank. They're located in, I think, about ten states and and two foreign countries. And they uh, locally in Peoria, they help about three hundred agencies uh, Monday through Friday with the different food needs. Now they count on donations. Uh, they rank in the um, top uh, 1% of uh, charity organizations that um, are rated as uh, giving the most with the least amount of administrative cost. 99 out of cents out of every dollar goes to actually purchasing food uh, and goes to the actual programming. Very little of what they collect um, actually goes to the administrative side of it. So a little bit of research on your on your own behalf with the local agencies. Um, ask questions, um, and they, they can generally give you that information. There's different um, uh, charity barometers that will tell you that. You want to avoid those that, that are very heavy in the administrative side of it because uh, that money is not going to help as much as a place that, that uh, has very uh, – low overhead, let's say. So yeah, you, you know, looking at that and, and I know you're talking about the money, but the, the human side of it, um, in the case of Midwest Food Bank, if they don't have volunteers, um, all the money in the world and a packed warehouse isn't going to do much good because if yes. they have to turn around and hire people right. uh, to distribute that food, all of a sudden, it gets unbalanced. All of a sudden, uh, they can't buy as much food because now they have to spend more money on getting people to help load things out and sort things. So, yeah, you, you want to kind of be careful as far as that goes. So, so it might be that a, a church that is looking to, to, to help feed their community, it might be better to look for a, a well-respected organization such as the Midwest Food Bank. Midwest Food Bank, yes. uh, Something like that in their community and say, let's marshal our resources, both uh, volunteers and financially. And instead of worrying about getting the credit for, uh, you know, Third Street Church or whatever it is, let's just kind of quietly work for them and, and help them do that. Is that, do you think that's a good that's valid a, approach? Absolutely. Absolutely. And our, and, and I can use that example here in, in our church, our loaves and fish ministry prior to COVID. Now in the last couple of years, because of COVID, we've had to change our model of serving to be um, outside for the, the safety and health of, of everyone. But in the past pre COVID in order for us to serve 300 people, a hot meal and groceries every Saturday, it would take 40 or 50 volunteers. And even though we're a fairly large church, we don't have enough volunteers to do that every single week uh, throughout the year. Yes, And we count on different groups helping us do that. Um, it's, it wasn't uncommon on any given Saturday that we might have three or four different churches or faiths 
um, serving uh, at the same time. They're they're serving the people. They're not serving Methodists. They're not serving Catholics. They're not serving atheists. They're serving their brothers and sisters who are hungry. Mm, um, yes. They're serving them um, not just a not just a meal, but they're serving them a relationship uh, with another human. Um, and and so yes, you want to you want to maximize your impact by working with existing organizations that have a good reputation um, and partner with them, uh, help them. Um, we have churches that will come to us and they'll say, we're not really in a location where we can help people or we don't have people come. What could we do? I know a couple Morton churches over the last year helped by putting together hygiene bags that we give out. Um, so the folks that are living in uh, non-normal housing, I, I don't want to just say homeless because a lot of times there's people that are couch surfing with friends or they're sleeping in their cars or under the bridge. They don't have hygiene supplies, and if they have them this week, uh, next week they might not have them or next month. But your church, your organization could put together bags that have things like toothbrush, toothpaste, soap, shampoo, deodorant, washcloths, things like that, and furnish that to a to a group that already does that. Yeah. Um, so there are ways you can do that, yes. One of the things that has been a big learning curve for me, too, that I found to be quite amazing is for First United Methodist Church, which does have an active uh, feeding program and helping people with groceries on a scheduled time every week that people know to come in at that particular time. Uh, but the resources that it takes to put something like that together, if somebody is wanting to do that in their community, it's amazing that beyond the food banks, there are a number of other ways to bring in resources to bear. For example, in the Peoria area, I mean, I'm, we were talking about Starbucks today, and pardon me for mentioning the name, oh. but that's just one of the people who, there are a, a surprising number of corporate givers within a community that are very generous with food supplies. Uh, yes, how, there are. How should a, a church who's interested in knowing more about this, how can they begin to discover these networks? Well, I would I would suggest that they go to existing um, uh, churches or organizations that have those relationships and ask them about that. Ask them how do they get started. Now, you mentioned Starbucks, and I'm going to give them a plug because they have nationally and probably internationally a food rescue uh, donation program uh, where they will um, – provide food. In the case of, uh, of Starbucks, they provide everything from their wonderful pastries and breakfast sandwiches and lunch sandwiches to drinks to coffee. Um, they do that in order to be able to sell the most um, or sell the the, the freshest product to their customers, they need to turn it over. And yeah, they could throw it away. That'd be a lot easier. But their program um, is set up through organizations where they provide food for that. Um, locally, uh, we have relationships through Heart of Illinois Harvest, uh, through the Peoria uh, Area Food Bank, through Midwest Food Bank, uh, where they go out to grocery stores, to Hy-Vee, to Schnucks, to Kroger, um, to all of these different uh, grocery stores, and they'll pick up food that is still good, still fresh, uh, but it's approaching maybe the best by date, and it's being replaced with um, others. So they want it to go somewhere, and so they donate it, and it's done on a daily basis uh, to provide fresh food, and it's just a, it's just a wonderful thing. Uh, a lot of people out there uh, do a lot to help yes. their brothers and sisters, and they don't want anything in return other than to know that maybe they've made somebody's life just a little better. 
Let's talk about one other idea for helping churches out, and that is something that we've had to start uh, really reminding our folks because we, we seem to have spurts that we go through where people are, are, are approaching the guests who come into the church uh, for resources, and we're not exactly confident that these are people we should just be pouring those types of resources into, but our hearts go out to them. So what we've asked our folks to do is if anybody asks you for money, food, a ride, any resource to uh, refer them to our church office because our church office is equipped to help them and not to send them to a pastor, which I think another, that can also be a problem in smaller churches where there's only the pastor to keep sending people to the pastor. Uh, What would you tell our listeners about setting up resource people that are equipped to meet the needs of those who come in uh, who are asking for help? Well, I think you need to, uh, as you mentioned, designate an order within um, your organization, church, or or agency, uh, an order where um, there's going to be consistency of response. uh, Because the word gets out if you've been able to help people uh, in a positive way, and you want that. You want people to know that they can count on you for this or that. But it also, the word gets out if there isn't a, a uh, consistent approach and, and people are giving out money, um, that word's going to get out too. So develop a program or a plan within your church uh, for a consistent response and appoint person, be it the front desk at your, at your church office or a certain time or a, a group that will uh, field request. Work with the Heart of Illinois United Way and get involved in the 211 program. That is a program that is just so great. Um, and, and the people that answer those phones, they are so compassionate and caring and educated in what this, this, uh, what the needs are uh, that they can really make a big difference. Now, a lot of times people wait until the last minute uh, to try to get those needs um, met. And, and you have to understand that uh, we we and and other groups can't be an immediate response um, a resource. Sometimes there's going to be a little bit of a lag, uh, and there needs to be to to determine what the need is. A lot of us all belong to a um, an organization called Charity Check, and Charity Check is a as a database uh, throughout the country of churches organizations that report when they have helped people. So you you come for help. Um, I take your name. I take your date of birth. I take the last four or five numbers of your social, and I put that information in. That gives me, and it's completely confidential, um, but that gives me the ability to look at, at Jane Doe's request for um, whatever that case may be. Um, and I'm not talking about just food or something like that, but maybe it's a utility uh, assistance request or, or a rent request. But I can look back and I can see, gosh, she's, Jane's never been here. Jane's just new in town. Uh, Jane has no record. Okay, that, that means that she hasn't been back to, to ask for help. It also might tell me that um, Sally... Uh, has been to 10 churches in the last 10 weeks uh, asking for the same thing. So that tells me, okay, maybe Sally's not completely being honest with what her needs and requests are. She is working the system. Well, unfortunately for Sally, the system knows about Sally. Um, so, so we try to use tools that are, again, confidential, but also in a, in a big way, they they help share the positive information so that we can all provide as much as much help as possible. 
So I guess to wrap this up today, because there's so much more we could say, uh, two questions, Dan. One, did, was there anything, because you've just come from some meetings that have just filled your mind full of good information. I'm wondering if there's anything that you feel like is vital to share at this point. And, and secondly, uh, just to find a way to wrap up this, we want to be careful in what we're saying. We want you to help people. Uh, we want you to just pour your heart out to those that Jesus told us to take care of, those who are in need. But we want to help you to understand how to do it better. And because sometimes giving can actually do more harm than good if, we, if we're if we not wise That's about correct. it. So what closing thoughts, Dan, would you leave us on this topic today? Well, I would, I would and thank you, Greg. I, I appreciate you bringing up this this. Um, um, topic because it is it is difficult um there's not easy answers but i would work with groups that have a track record of helping people um locally we are so blessed and fortunate to have a network of agencies churches organizations that are there that are actively trying to combat homelessness and and uh, job training and um, hunger um, that there there is help available uh, through these organizations and they need our donations uh, they need uh, to know that uh, they can count on income they can count on volunteers um, so your best bet is probably going to be uh, to go to those Peoria rescue missions to the dream centers the first church to I know uh, there's a, a great organization at the um, it's a oh, it's a Lutheran <laughs> church out on Allen Road. They're they're wonderful, um, uh, but but go to the groups that have been around and done this, and and give them um, the resources that you have to share because you know that they are going to keep that money local. They are going to um, do what they can in the best manner they can to help the most they can. Um, locally, the the food groups, Peoria Area Food Bank, the um, which is government supported, but uh, they also work with a lot of volunteer agencies. Uh, Heart of Illinois Harvest, a local uh, group that is a food rescue group and Midwest Food Bank. Those are the ones that supply um, our local pantries um, with the food that's available for people to take home. Uh, go to them. Go to um, uh, 211 um, and, um, you know, check that out. Um, use them as a resource uh, to help others. Um, the thing you don't want to do is waste your time uh, and waste your resources uh, by just uh, giving out little bits here and there. Is, is 211 a, a national resource or is that a local situation? Well, it, it, is, it is national, but it's not in every community yet. Okay. Um, it is it is getting throughout there, but locally it's it's supported by Heart of Illinois United Way and uh, Advanced Medical Transport. They have put okay. up the funding to be able to hire the people that are there full time that are skilled and qualified because they're dealing with all kinds of issues. Um, so they need they need to have the the right people. But two one one is a wonderful resource. So. And I, I'm, I'm kind of speaking for Dan here a little bit, but I'm just sure that if you have any follow-up questions about how to do these things or uh, even volu- if you're in the area and want to volunteer in our Great Loaves and Fish program, which does, I mean, it's just a fantastic uh, operation. It's been around for over 25 years now, what, 26? 27 years. 27 years. If uh, you can find an email contact for Dan on our website at peoria1.com or just fill out one of the forms you find there at peoria1.com. And Dan, I'm sure somebody could uh, talk with you and you'd be willing to uh, help them either volunteer locally or to understand better how to help in their communities. I'd be be happy to help and uh, 
that that gives me great satisfaction uh, when I see new people come into the into the fold, so to speak, that that get such great satisfaction at the end of the time they're serving in making a difference in somebody's life. And by the way, um, my uh, as the folks who from the local church will know this already, my my days at uh, First United Methodist Church will soon be coming to an end, and. And uh, I've really enjoyed being able to host this podcast. Perhaps, Dan, you in the future will host some of these. We, we don't know exactly how this will go, but uh, I want to take this time to tell you how much I appreciate you and uh, just to see that you are the real deal and the work that you've done in this church and this community. Um, Dan, you are, you are on mission for God, and I know it's changed your life. It has. It, it has. I know it's changed your life. And and. and Greg, we're, we are going to miss you, um, but, you know, God's not done with you. Um, you have more people to help, and um, you have a wonderful future ahead of you. And you've you've helped bring our church and this community um, a, a long ways in just a few years you've been here. So it's been an honor and a privilege uh, to be your friend, uh, to be your coworker, uh, to be your brother in Christ, and, and I thank you for that. I appreciate that so much, Dan. Thank you. Well, with that, <laughs> oh, oh boy. Uh, well, this has been another edition of the 116 uh, podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. It's a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. As we've been saying, go to peoria1.com uh, for more information about us or to leave us a message, peoria1.com. Big thanks to my guest, Dan Phillips, for being with us here today. And thank you so very much for joining us here on the 116. My name is Greg Fish. Have a wonderful day.